0: Okay, if you could stand with me as we prepare to read the scripture text for today. (coughs) We are in Galatians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Wouldn't you love to start a letter that was written to you with these three words? (laughs) You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is God's word. You may be seated. Father, bless the words that Kyle will speak, the message he's prepared, and let it be your message to our ears and work your miracle either in the speaking or in the hearing whichever is your choice we ask in jesus name amen thank
1: you okay so you foolish refugees (laughs) it's a good like that's what they teach us in the seeker friendly um courses we take on how to make friends and influence people call them foolish i don't think paul took that course <laughs> um, so, we are starting um, to examine a passage of scripture in Galatians chapter three, verses one through fourteen, and we're going to take two weeks in it. And we're going to call um, these two sermons "bewitched." Da 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 da. Is that the wrong show? There, there were two. That's "I Dream of Genie." "Bewitched" was another one. Should have looked it up. Um, "Bewitched" um, in the Greek language. It's not a TV show. Um, But bewitched in the Greek language means to exert an evil influence literally through the eye. Interesting. The evil eye. Some of you might be thinking of the evil eye you get from your spouse when you wear the wrong shirt. Um, Perhaps if you're um, from this generation, you might be thinking of Sir Hiss in that Disney cartoon classic Robin Hood who would hypnotize people with his snake eye. Remember this? No? Okay, I'll move on. Um, (laughs) But this this evil eye is not um, these things. This evil eye is defined as the look of envy. The look of envy. You see something, you don't have it, and you become jealous, envious. Scripture says, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you and the text here is really powerful. If you if you were careful and you just see the, the, the poetry poetry, the literature, it's all very intentional. he's basically saying who is looking at your freedom in Christ with an evil eye with jealousy? whose evil eye is seducing you and it, when it says when your eyes, did you see this part have seen Christ risen? And crucified friends isn't it true that if you're jealous of someone that you're gonna start to sabotage them is not that what we do we might not literally do it we might have a heart and not want to literally sabotage them but what we might do it up here we're jealous of something that they have or something that they're they're capable of and we just start thinking like well yeah but they're kind of a cheat and they You know, they're this and that. And we start to slander them in our own mind's eye. You'll begin the work of bringing them down so that you can build yourself up, right? That's what envy does. And friends, this is what religion does towards our gospel. Now Tracy's on, um, and Tracy and Hosea, they're on their honeymoon right now. So I need, when I'm preaching, I need someone to say, wow. (laughs) Wow. And amen, right? Because if all I get is like blank stares and blinking eyes, I'm going to be like, what's going on out there, okay? So I need some Tracys. I need some Tracys to just boost my ego a little bit, okay? (laughs) Thank you, right? So religion, like we would try to bring someone else down that we're jealous of, religion is jealous of the gospel, and it tries to bring it down, right? Its aim, religion wants, to ruin the Jesus plus nothing gospel. It wants to ruin its reputation. It, it aims to get us to begin to rely on our performance as we once did before we knew Christ. <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> See, now I don't know if it's real or if you're just... You're just humoring me. (laughs) Friends, isn't it true that we left religion at the altar? We We were about to be wed to it. And we left it at the altar and we married another. We married the grace of Jesus Christ. But religion is mad. And it's after us and it wants us back. You see, friends, that's what this is about. It's about people who have come to understand the grace of God in Christ, but religion is still bewitching us. It's still after us, it still wants our heart. The sinister plot of the God of this world, Satan, wants us to rely on ourselves and never on Christ. It wants us to go back to that old work that didn't work. In Galatians 2, we learned that we are made right with God when we stop trusting in our ability to keep God's moral law. Remember, we talked about that last week. We die, and then we believe. So we learn that we're made right with God when we stop trusting in our ability to keep God's law. We die to it, and we begin to trust in Christ who kept that law. So we believe. We die, and we believe. So this gospel... That is the Jesus plus nothing gospel is the way in which we enter into God's kingdom. And Jesus told us this in John chapter 3, didn't he? If you want to be born again, or if you want to enter into my kingdom, you must be born again. How? How do I become born again? Do I enter back into my mother's womb a second time? Whosoever believeth in me will never perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus' answer to how we are born again, made anew, given life, forgiven of sin, reconciled with God, is to simply trust in the work of another, the Jesus plus nothing gospel. He did it for us. But the gospel is more than that. We're not only saved by the gospel of grace, of Jesus plus nothing, we mature, we grow into likeness by this same gospel, to use theological terms if you like that sort of thing, we're not only saved by the gospel, but we are also sanctified by the gospel. We are not saved by grace through faith, but sanctified by works. See, that's oftentimes the thing that we assume as Christians. We're saved by grace through faith, but if I wanna grow with Jesus, I gotta start working hard. No, friends, we are sanctified by that same grace. We are not saved by grace while we are matured through works. Both happen by grace through faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. And to be otherwise, according to Paul, is to be foolishly bewitched. That's hard language, isn't it? I think he's trying to get our attention. If he he was using soft, gentle, non-offensive language, we might not get the point. He's saying, Galatians... Do not be foolishly bewitched by the God of this world that is jealous of your freedom in Christ. You don't, you don't end the way, you end the same way you begin, by the grace of Jesus Christ. See? To believe otherwise is to be foolishly bewitched. So, Paul begins to instruct these forgetful Christians, we can be forgetful, isn't that true? And we need to be reminded of these things over and over again to get it through our thick skulls that Jesus Christ actually won the victory for us, and we contribute nothing. We don't like that. It rubs us the wrong way, but it's true. So Paul begins to instruct these forgetful Christians by reminding them of their beginning. How did they start? So, in I told you this is two parts. We're gonna cover the first five verses. today. So next week we got a little bit more heavy lifting. We're going to talk about more about the law in Abraham next week. What does that have to do with any of this? Well, we'll get to that next week. But today we're just going to cover the first five verses. So Paul begins to rehearse how they began. How did they begin this journey of faith with Jesus Christ? In verses one through three, he is calling to their memory how they came to believe in Jesus in the first place when he called them out of their paganism. Remember, these aren't Jewish converts, faith in christ these are pagan converts gentiles that have come to faith in christ he says this this is how you began jesus christ was clearly portrayed to you as crucified interesting very visual language that's used here none of them saw jesus crucified with their eyes so what's he talking about he says before your very eyes you've seen him portrayed as crucified None of them were at the cross at Golgotha. What's Paul talking about? He is talking about what happens in the soul when you come to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is talking about the eye of the heart. They didn't physically see Christ crucified, but that he was crucified for them pierced them. The message preached to them pierced their hearts so that they saw it in their heart, with their heart's eye, that Jesus Christ was clearly crucified in their place for them. The preaching moment. And not just preaching, it doesn't happen to, have to happen here. It can happen with a friend um, with, that you're sharing a cup of coffee with. When the Holy Spirit illuminates our eyes and we see that Christ was crucified for me, And then I'm saved by his grace and his gift and his merit. He's reminding them that's how you began. And in verse 5, by your believing what you heard. Do you remember that day for you if you know Christ? The day that you heard it and you saw Christ crucified for you. And it was real. They, like many of you, like myself, one day had that beautiful message of Jesus Christ's love and salvation proclaimed, maybe much like what you're hearing today, and they believed it. The scales fell from their eyes and they trusted in Christ. This message to them was not instructions. It was an event in human history. You see, you saw with your eye the crucifixion of Jesus. You remember that's how you came to Jesus. You saw the event, the historical event when Christ took on sin. You see, this isn't advice. This isn't follow the Ten Commandments and you'll have a happier and better life. That's not how this began for you. You began with, a, with an image in your mind of a twisted, beaten, and tortured figure suffering in your place for you so that you would never have to be. You see, you weren't given advice when you came to Christ on how to have a happier marriage or how to, how to have less than anxiety, what rules to follow. That's not how we came to Christ. We came to Christ when we saw in our heart the death of Jesus, amen? Remember that day? It was a message about something done for us at the cross. The gospel in real life, in real time, in real history, That's what it is before it is directives to holiness. This good news, the text says was clearly, underline that, clearly portrayed. If you have your Bible, underline it, highlight it. That means in the original language, it literally means that it was graphically or vividly displayed. And what's he getting at here? These Galatians were hit to the heart, in other words, with the news of Christ's death and resurrection. It rocked their world and changed their world. And if you know Christ, you'll know exactly what they're talking about here. Isn't that true? It wasn't just information that was new to them that they sort of catalog along with other information that they had received about anything else in life, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and just said, yeah, okay, that's nice. I'll put that on the shelf of things I know. That's not what's happening here because here Christ was clearly portrayed, vividly, graphically portrayed. As in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the gospel didn't simply come to you with words, but with power, right? So friends, a Christian isn't someone that just, that isn't just someone that knows about Jesus, someone that simply has a, a cognitive understanding of who he is and what he did. No, a Christian is someone who has seen Jesus. You see? You see the difference? You've seen him crucified for you in your place. So though we didn't see him, we see him. And this is what happened to the Galatians and what happened to you if you have trusted in him as your Lord and savior. Verse two and three continues. It says, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now, Paul is drawing up, the writer of this letter, is drawing up some parallels. Let me try to explain these things. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? So here is a contrast. Did you receive the Spirit through this way or through this way? Through works or through faith? Right? Right? After beginning by means of the Spirit, he's assuming, okay, you began by faith and means of the Spirit. He's saying, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Let me explain this, this contrast in verse two. It's it's contrasting believing with works of the law. And there's also a contrast, if you noticed, between beginning with the Spirit and finishing with the flesh. Do you see that? So what's this talking about? Let me try to explain this really simply. So we don't get too confused here. Grammatically in the text, what he's saying is that believing, having faith, is equal to beginning with the spirit. And works of the law is equal to finishing in the flesh. Does that make sense? Believing is equal to beginning with the spirit. Works of the law is equal to finishing with the flesh. We're going to explain this as we go. So if you have questions, hold them to the end okay? Here's what this means. To be saved is to have the Spirit of God. To be saved, if you, what does that mean? To be saved means that you're right with God again. Our sin has separated us from God, right? And we need to be reconciled with God. That's the greatest problem that we have in life. We think our problem is everything else, that we're not married, or we don't make enough money, or that our parents don't like us right? Or, they, or that they were divorced. That's not our problem. Our problem is that we live in separation from God, and that's why this world is broken. So what we need is reconciliation with God, forgiveness of sin, and that's why Jesus came. So to be saved is to have the Spirit of God. That's sort of like code. To have the Spirit of God is to be saved. It's to know this in your heart. It means that we have stopped trying to earn this by our own efforts, or what the text calls, works of the law, our rules, being good enough, right? They began with faith in Jesus plus nothing to solve this greatest problem, but then they aimed to finish the Christian life by means of the flesh, or works of the law. You see what he's saying? To finish, in the Greek language, means to bring to completion. So when it says here, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish, underline, to finish, by means of the flesh? What does this mean? To finish. It means to bring to completion. And every single one of us, whether we're Christian or Hindu or Buddhist, are trying to complete our lives. We have this image or this vision of what, like, the best life is. And we're trying to complete it finish it make sure we pull it off does that make sense we share this goal with everyone on this earth with the way that we live our lives we're trying to complete our lives we strive toward completing our lives according to whatever standard we have set and we follow the we follow the rules that will get us there okay to do this to be complete according to the flesh or by works means that we have reverted back to making ourselves acceptable by the things that we do or accomplish. So we start in the Christian faith by faith by grace through faith, but we continue by keeping our nose clean. And we think that's how we'll complete our lives and, and finish the race. Believing the gospel, friends, requires that our whole lives from start to finish are completed not by us, but by Jesus Christ that we finish through the completed work of Jesus plus nothing. So we trust in Jesus for our completion, that he'll complete us in all the ways that we need to be. This is how the Christian life begins, trusting that Jesus will complete us, and this is how it continues to its end. This is how it began for this Galatians church, but something had bewitched them, Sir Hiss, had stared in their eyes, right? Something changed. They started with grace, but they circled back to self-trust. Have you ever been there? Come on. Confession. You started with grace. You started understanding that Jesus loves you unconditionally, but you somehow circled back to religion, putting guilt and shame on yourself for ways that you've messed up, thinking that God's, you're out of God's favor or blessing because you because you're not as perfect as you should be, right? So something bewitched them, something bewitches us. We start with grace, but we circle back to self-trust. Paul says, you receive the Spirit not by the flesh, that is, by self effort or obedience to rules. You receive the Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit about what this means to receive the Spirit, but let me expound a little bit more. To receive the spirit is to be sealed with the presence of God. The Bible t- talks about this. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, says in scripture. So to receive the, the spirit means that you are marked by the presence of God, you're sealed with his presence. It is the presence of God, by the way, that we believe the gospel to begin with. The presence of God, which opens our eyes to our sin, convicts us of it and tells us reminds us that we are unable to make ourselves right with God and to trust in the death and resurrection as the only way in which we are made right with God you see so when God's spirit is given to us when we receive the spirit all of that those lights go on and that is that is a, a fruit of the fact that we have been born again in John chapter 3 we have received the Spirit, right? Paul reminds them of this, that it is to have the heart vividly see the cross and to trust in Christ, which is what it means to receive the Spirit or to be born again or to enter into the kingdom of God in John chapter 3. Paul reminds them that they received that Spirit not by being good enough, Friends, you have fallen, we have messed up, we are sinful, and we can't climb out of that hill, or out of that hole, I mean. We can't do it. We have to trust on the merits of Christ and not our own. So he says in verse 3, After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Do you think that just, this is what it means, do you think that you just needed God to save you? You need them just as much to finish you. You see? We think of being in the flesh as like doing like dark and dirty deeds, right? Like stuff we don't admit in public. Uh, works of the flesh, evil stuff. But for Paul here, works of the flesh isn't like, you know, promiscuous sex or drug abuse. We're, the work of the flesh is to believe that we can grow in Christ by our own power. To be in the flesh, according to one scholar, is a failure to remember the gospel of grace. Isn't that incredible? It is a dependence on law-keeping for growth in Jesus rather than his grace. His grace is what grows you into stalwarts and holy people it's to begin the race with Jesus and end it with Jesus not to begin it with him and end it with me that's not the gospel verse 5 power makes a powerful statement let's read it again if you missed it so again I ask does God give you his spirit and work miracles he says like let me ask you the same question again because I know you're not listening (laughs) we have trouble with that right let me ask you, this. so again I ask, does God give you his spirit, and he adds something else, and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you have heard? Wow, boom! This, is, this changes everything for us. You know what this means? This means that people coming to fit, like let's, let's say this room was filled with people that didn't know Jesus. Their coming to faith in Christ does not depend on how awesome I am, on how charismatic my preaching is, on how gifted a leader I am. It depends on God's Spirit, my faith in Him to do what I can't do. Isn't that good news? So we can be really kind of (laughs) dumb. That's good news for me, right? We don't have to have too many marbles upstairs because it's not about us. We don't have to know what we're doing. We just have to trust in the one that does. We need to believe, friends. Do you believe that the things that you don't know how to do, God knows how to do them? And will you cry out to him and ask him for his help? You see, you might not know much, but you might know how to believe. You might not know how, you might know how to trust. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or the works of the flesh? You could call it that. He's using those phrases interchangeably. Does God give his spirit and work miracles because of you, because of how good you are or how awesome you are, right? Does he do these things by, the, by these means, or does he do them by your believing the gospel? Will God give us fruitful ministry because we're so good because we work the law, because of our performance, as if God is rewarding us for our good behavior? Not according to scripture. And you say, okay, cool, we can be bad then. No, it's not what this is saying. It's not saying we can be bad. What it is saying is that we need to be filled with the spirit of God. And when we're filled with the spirit of God, it transforms us to be holy like him, see? According to the Bible, God's miraculous power is channeled through us when we believe in him and not what we see, right? That is amazing, that is freeing. We think that when we keep rules, God blesses us. And we have different kinds of rules, isn't that true? Some of us have competence rules. If we're excellent at all we do, if we're competent and slick, God is going to show up and bless our lives in ministry. Like he helps those who help themselves kind of thing, right? Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not like a competence, excellence person, but maybe you're about being good and moral. So you have a moral rule. So if we conquer sin and if we're good enough and moral, then God's going to look at our performance and bless our lives and ministries. As if to say that, again, his blessing is a result of, of, of... Our performance. The gospel says to this an emphatic no, this is not how it works. How is the Spirit is received? How is God's miraculous power put on display? By trusting in the merits of Christ. And Abraham believed, this is next week, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God by trusting in Him and not ourselves, we continue the Christian journey the same way we began it—not by our performance, but by our faith in the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We are born in grace and we grow in grace. It's all grace. So, you want to overcome sin? Here, so, here's the practicals: How do you get how do you get transformed then? Because this isn't a license to just oh, cool. The pastor said God will bless us not by by being good, but by, his, but by Jesus' merits, so we can be bad, right? No. <laughs> how do we get transformed? If this is true, how do we get transformed then? What does it mean? Like, how do I, how do I overcome sin by, gra- by the grace and merits of Christ, and not my own? Let's talk about that now. To become more like Jesus in our hearts, words, and deeds, we need to engulf ourselves and the gospel of grace in, of Jesus Christ. We need to be re- the recipients of his merits. And here's what this means practically. Let me, let me explain. Let's say you're having a hard time with obeying God's word. How many people have ever had a hard time obeying God's word? Just, just a few? Okay, the rest of you. I'm going to talk to the rest of you afterwards because I need some help. Um, <clears throat> if, if we are ever having a hard time with obedience to God's word, or our life and behavior just isn't conforming to Christ and we know it, it's not because you lack the willpower to be good. See, that's usually where we go. Like I'll just kinda, I'll, I'll muscle through this. I'll, I'll build up myself the, the resolve and the resilience to say no to the temptation next time it comes. Isn't that usually what we do, how we default? If we're not following Jesus, or are being disobedient to his word, it is because, it's not because you lack willpower, it is because we have forgotten the gospel of Jesus plus nothing. Let me explain. We have forgotten that Jesus completes us, that Jesus finishes us, verse 3, through his efforts. Trying harder is just an increased effort to follow rules. Is that true? Through self, self self-reliance. I'm going to trust in me and my ability to complete myself through keeping these rules and we always fail. Isn't it true? Like three seconds after we make the decision to not do it again. Right? Why? because the problem isn't a problem of willpower, the problem is a a problem of spirit power, right? And again, let me explain. Why might you become angry with someone? Why do you get angry with people? Let's just take that as just like a case, a sample of what I'm trying to explain here. Why might you become angry with someone? And how do you overcome that anger and be forgiving, right? When we're angry, we might do this. We might say, okay, I'm going to pray. God, can you please get rid of my anger and help me to forgive these people? But we're making the problem about our anger and our lack of forgiveness when there's a greater problem. Why are you angry to begin with? We are angry because we've forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ. What completes you, Jesus? Well, why are you angry? Because you have trusted in something else to complete you and someone else got in the way. Right? You need something. You need comfort, or you need security, or you need money, or you need romance. You need love. Any one of these things. Those things complete me. Not Jesus. You see, you're forgetting the Gospel. Those things, that's what I need. I need those things. I need good relationships. I need money. I need security. I need a house. And now, someone's ripping me off. Right? How dare they? So I'm mad, and I'm going to get even. Why? Because they touched my God. They, met, they moved my cheese, right? I need that thing. So now I'm mad. Isn't, that, isn't it true? Isn't that usually how it goes? That's why we're angry to begin with. We are angry because something besides Jesus has become our Savior. Something else is our completer. Something else is helping us to finish our lives. So we start following rules to pull that, com- that completion off. And if someone gets in our way, we're mad at them and we can't forgive them, right? If we have become angry and unforgiving, something that you want or need has been denied. But can I ask you why do you need it so much? Why do you want it so much? Someone has denied you love or comfort or safety and we become anger- angry and bitter so our rule of law is to provide for ourselves comfort or safety or the like. And if someone gets in our way, that's the end of them. People, ugh, they're the worst. The, you know, the church, the church is my problem. Right, usually, what, usually where that comes from, and I, and I say that sensitively because I know we've all been through some tough things in life, but usually where that comes from is we've wanted something and the church got in the way. But you see, the church can never get in the way of Jesus. They never can steal him from you. And let me just say this. People in general, no one, Satan himself, can't get in the way of Jesus or steal him from you. So when we trust in the gospel, our peace is secure and it is easier for us to forgive. Right? So we can't simply ask God, take away my anger, weeds need to get pulled, right? We need to believe again that Jesus is our love, Jesus is our safety, Jesus is our comfort, so that when other people deny us these things, we've really not been denied of those things at all. Isn't that true? We've just been denied them a little bit on earth temporarily when we get them completely and fully, permanently, forever with Christ. Oh, friends, you see, we don't just begin with the grace of Jesus Christ. We continue with it, we grow with it, and we finish with it. Ever relying on his merit alone to form us into his wonderful and beautiful image. Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? or by believing what you heard? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Church, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by faith in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, that this morning that we would remember how we began. That we saw Christ clearly as crucified and risen for us in our place. God, I pray that we wouldn't be foolishly bewitched by the idea that somehow we begin with grace but finish with our own self-effort. Help us to continually be transformed by Christ, our completer, our strength and our gracious savior so that we could be made into your likeness and see your miracles. And God, we ask for a miracle even now that someone watching this, listening here in this room or online might not know of this beautiful savior I speak of. Friend, would you come to faith in Jesus Christ this moment, whatever's in your hands, put them down put Christ in them. Cry out to him, dear heavenly father, save me. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. And God, the wages of sin is death. It's separation from you and from your love. And what I need most is to be reconciled to you and I can't reconcile myself. Jesus did it for me at the cross. When he died, and was risen so that I could know you. Friend, if that's you, just Christ, I believe in Christ. You're my Savior, I'm not my Savior. You're my Lord, I'm not my Lord. If that's you, friend, you're saved. Your sins are washed away. You're whiter than snow. Be transformed now by the grace of God. Come talk to me about it if that's you, if God is doing a work in your heart so that we can celebrate together and I can pray for you. God, we thank you for the rest of us, God. Would, we, would you help us to remember to continue on in the spirit of your grace. We love you and ask for these things and for your help in Jesus' name, amen.